It's Wednesday, it's executive lounge time, and this week's executive is probably one of the most decorated individuals in their industry, both locally and internationally. Um, I'm talking, of course, about the chief operating officer of the City Lodge Group, that is Mrs. Lindue Sanguenisido. And she joins me on the line now to take a look at just her life and her career spanning over 30 years in hospitality, including some international stints in Switzerland and the United States. Uh, good evening, Lindiwe. Thanks so much for taking the time. A 30-year career in the hospitality industry, that's more than impressive to say the least. How did it start and what's kept you in that space for so long? Good evening, Jimmy, and thank you so much for having me on your show. I love your show and I'm so, so honored to, to have been invited. It sounds really strange hearing that I've been in this industry for over 30 years. A bit daunting because it reminds me of my age. <laughs> Not that I mind. <laughs> but, you know, you start thinking and, and reflecting on where you come from. So what drove me to it? It was really not planned. Um, I was studying sciences. And according to my late dad, I was going to be either a doctor or a pharmacist or, you know, something to do with physics or maths or chemistry, something in the sciences. And up until I had completed my A-levels, I was studying in Kenya. We lived in exile. And so we followed the British uh, system of education. And up to that last point, um, when I was really getting ready for my exams, I happened to be on the school bus. And this friend showed me a brochure that she had just received. And it said the Swiss Hotel Association's uh, Ecole Les Roches. It was just, I don't know what happened. I opened it and my heart started beating as I paged through this brochure, talking about hospitality, talking about Switzerland being the cradle of hospitality. And it just struck a chord. And immediately I was just like, whoa, I need to share this with my mom and my dad. Just It was just left field. <laughs> but it just struck a chord immediately. Um, and I took it home and that evening at dinner, you know, it was, guess what, guys, I think I'm going to do something different. I don't want to do medicine, much to my father's disdain. <laughs> um, I think I want to pursue hotel management. And really, that's just how it started. Now, you would say, why did it strike a chord? Look, we lived in many countries with parents who traveled throughout the African continent from Swaziland to Zambia to Kenya. And so I think what would have been natural in the process of traveling and Holland, even when my father was studying in, in the Netherlands, it was natural that we had been exposed to hotels and restaurants and travel. And so probably in my subconsciousness, there was that desire and love and passion, really, because it's really passion for the uh, hospitality industry. That sounds remarkable. And for, for those listeners out there listening, um, wondering what um, Ecole Le Roche is, it is the one of the premier uh, hospitality uh, schools in Switzerland. So it's the best of the best in terms of hospitality education, and it is of global standards. Uh, but Lindiwe, let's move to the rest of the journey, right? So you come into yeah. the hospitality space, you work in, I mean, you start in New York at the Hyatt, at 
sort of the the top end of that food chain and you expand into coming into Africa uh, you sit within companies uh, at OR Tambo I mean huge businesses where you are the managing director your shareholder and then you leave and you're like no I'm done I'm gonna go do my own thing and and you start your own uh, company how does that transition happen and what do you learn from that from coming into things at an intern level, working your way right up to the very top and then deciding, I'm going to go do my own thing. Yeah, so just um, to take it back again, it's it's quite interesting. <laughs> You've <laughs> clearly been reading about my, my background. But, you know, so I do a college. I meet a bunch of uh, professors from Penn State University. Um, I'm helping them at the front desk of a college with, you know, some gopher work, faxing and in those days, telexes and telegrams. And uh, along the way, they say, aren't you interested in furthering your education in the U.S.? Penn State University is also a well-known top top 10, you know, university in the U.S. and uh, known for their hospitality. And this always had been one of my desires to expand beyond the European style of hospitality. So off I went, studied there. And my first internship with Hyatt Group, it was actually in Washington, D.C., was as an intern. But, you know, I came, as I mentioned, out of a life of exile where belonging was so important and putting your best foot forward was just the only way to survive and to be noticed and to do things the right way. And so in no time I had risen through the ranks, um, having worked my way up from intern till assistant um, front office manager at the Grand Hyatt in Washington, D.C. This is a, a hotel with 899 rooms. And, you know, my mentor, Gail Smith, has said, if you want to go anywhere in life, you've got to learn to clean a few toilets. So she put me through housekeeping. And so there wasn't any department I had not gone through. And so on one holiday, I came back to South Africa and there was this big billboard coming soon in Rosebank, Park Hyatt, Johannesburg. And I said to myself, that's how I'm going to come back home. South Africa was on its new dawn. It was 1994, and we were getting ready to come back home. And so that was just a wonderful entry for me. So I was part of the team in 1995 that, you know, finished off the building of the Park Hyatt and the opening. So fast forward, it's this corporate experience, and somewhere in the middle of it all, I get attracted to government, believe it or not. And I think, wow, there's a bigger picture beyond the... Um, simple hospitality there's tourism there's what makes up the entire world of travel of which hospitality is a component and so i went and joined the department of environmental affairs and tourism i became the director of um, support tourism support and so many interesting things happened very short-lived but intense and wonderful enough for me to have learned something in a period of a year I was very soon, you know, cajoled back into the hospitality industry by Southern Sun. And so off I went and became the first, I would say, in those days, these things were important. The first black, you know, female general manager of the Intercontinental in Santon, the Santon Towers. That was, for me, really what I had dreamt of all this time, to become a general manager. So this is now around 2000. And, you know, I've I've been around the block a bit, hired government. I'm now at the Santon Towers. And five years later, I got my itchy feet. <laughs> and I thought, all along, the whole notion of going to study was always about one day we'll come back to South Africa and build our own hotels. 
So you've got to understand I'm talking from uh, the perspective of a child who's brought up in a liberation home with parents who are talking freedom um, and who are great opponents of what's going on in South Africa from you know, the perspective of apartheid. And so we, we studied, and when we studied, we were studying in preparation to come back and rebuild South Africa. And so that moment to go and start something was in the Sowetan newspaper, a whole opportunity to any entity that could come and build and open the first hotel in Soweto. So together with a few friends or colleagues, we put together a you know, business plan and formed a little consortium. I, of course, was the girl who was going to you know, play the role of operations and my hotel experience. And the other partners had different um, values and, and, you know, attributes that they brought to the consortium. And so in no time we were presenting ourselves to IDC. And that's how, you know, the Soweto Hotel came to fruition. Originally opened it as a, a holiday inn, which again showed the value with which even international brands looked upon this opportunity. And in 2007, the first, I can say, Black-owned, female-run hotel in Soweto was opened, a 48-bedroom hotel, two suites, you know, 60-seater restaurant. Just even now, I still get, you know, goosebumps just remembering and thinking of that moment. Really historic and, and where none other than at the Walter Sisulu Square of Dedication, which is where the Freedom Charter of the Liberation Organizations at the time in 1955, had signed the what is called the Freedom Charter, the bedrock of our constitution. So there were many moments, very rich moments, in that culminated in that experience. So we opened the hotel, and for some time, yeah, I ran, I ran this little boutique hotel. I got goosebumps just listening to that. Wow, that was <laughs> that's something else. I mean, to start out and to come back and say, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to do it. And then to, to pull it off is, is, is something else. Linebe, what are your thoughts on yeah. the hospitality industry now? I mean, the industry has gone through quite a bit through COVID with companies like City Lodge being on the receiving end of a lot of investor concern, despite the fact that the quality of hospitality and the quality of our industry is world class. Yeah, so, you know, the pandemic, I think, will be forever etched in all our memories, those of us who lived through it. And it doesn't matter which sector you're in. It must have been one of the most scariest times for anyone whose business was just going down and under. There were very few businesses that stayed, you know, open because they were essential businesses. And so the hospitality industry, I think, got one of the, was the hardest hit, you know, because of all the restrictions globally and and how that happened. So we all know that. I think what's remarkable, especially, you know, I can talk from a global perspective, but I'd like to talk from a South African perspective. What I witnessed was just the resilience of what we are made up of. You know, the, the persistence and the resilience, first of all, during the pandemic of how hard we fought to be reopened and how hard we made sure that we would keep our guests safe if they came into our environments we would make their stays safe and comfortable because really everyone was worried about, you know, the contamination um, of COVID. And so for us in the industry, there were so many lessons, but what it did was our innovation and our creativity um, came out. 
And for City Lodge Hotels, the first thing was we had to turn around to our shareholders and appeal for them to take us through a rights offer where we could raise the necessary funding to be able to, first of all, keep the lights on, even though our hotels were closed. Um, we had the status called temporary suspension of services, meaning, you know, a hotel can't really be mothballed and forgotten. You still have to be aware that security and lights must be on and, you know, maintenance must be checked and one or two staff members needed to be in the hotels. All our staff went on to 50% salaries and we just remained hopeful that we were going to open. And so, you know, if I fast track, we, we finally did open. And it was in that October of 2020 when we reopened that so much had happened internally. We had looked at, first of all, the IT solutions that were needed uh, to make guests more comfortable in terms of how they could check in. You know, and I think this happened in all the different hotel groups, you know, using online check-in systems so that guests had less need to be doing anything um, physically. And these have stood the test of time even beyond as an example of what good came out of, of COVID. Other things for City Lodge Hotel Group was, you know, we are very basic in terms of our offering. We're budget, economy, ranging from one star to four star. But we said, which guest wants to go out looking for food during COVID? It just wasn't safe. People wanted to check in. They wanted to know they were safe. And being a group that really only focused on breakfast, we were pushed into this new world of a culinary journey, if I can call it that. And we spent a lot of our executive time, you know, online and our team's meetings, developing this new food and beverage offering. We hired a food and beverage group, you know, chef. And lo and behold, that too has stood the test of time beyond COVID. In fact, what it's done is it's been part of the reason we've been able to recover at a pace that even we surprised ourselves at. You know, we were able to, first of all, in our last year, finally declare, you know, a dividend for our shareholders. Um, we were able to demonstrate that our revenues had grown from 1.7 billion, you know, from the previous year of 1.1. So, you know, like a really significant growth, 80, what is that, 55%. And to say that 17% of that revenue was attributed to food and beverage. We had never done that before. And suddenly it opened our eyes to realize, to realize the possibilities and the, the, the need to listen to guests and the need to respond to guests and how while you're responding to your guests and giving what they need in terms of food and beverage, safety, health, etc., you're actually also serving your shareholders. You're actually bringing back the lifeline uh, dynamically so um, and, and taking... Our, our group to another level. So those are just some of the things. There were many other things that, that happened, but I just wanted to illustrate how COVID was able to bring the best out of us, show us the resilience that we have in us, bring out the, you know, that street wiseness that South Africans have and just not allow ourselves to be taken down. And uh, we are enjoying the benefits as we go forward. We have lots of challenges and we can talk about that, but in spite of all these challenges, we always see the opportunities. And, and as an industry, we can say comfortably, we've turned the corner. We are, you know, seeing our, our business operating and beyond the 2019 figures, uh, which is always a relief. We're back to pre-2019 and beginning to grow um, at the pace that also, you know, the growing costs have to be accommodated as well.
Mm. Linda, speaking of the best of the best, what's the best meal you've ever had as someone who's traveled through almost all of the really good hotels around the world? Surely there's there's one meal that you can just think of and you're like, ah, that was good. <laughs> there's many, there's many, but uh, my husband and I love traveling everywhere. I remember, you know, our first visits after COVID back into the Kruger National Park and we... Uh, always loved Singita, you know, in terms of the culinary experience that they that they offer. And I forget the name, but it, you know, venison uh, served, you know, on a beautiful, beautiful bed of, you know, the most beautifully prepared roast vegetables and, you know, gnocchi and, you know, just bringing in all sorts of international elements into what we'd call really a local uh, ingredient, you know, venison is always, you know, I don't know which one it was, but it's always associated with our, you know, wonderful offering of the Kruger. So th- that's one that stands out. There are many others, Jimmy, you've caught me off guard, but <laughs> I generally like our traditional foods. If you took me back into Soweto and you asked me, you know, where should we go? I would say we've got to try Iskopo. We've got to try <laughs> the traditional scopel, which is something that I typically wouldn't do. But because I was always, you know, taking people for tours and showing them around the best of the best of Soweto, going to uh, the Baragwanath test, the taxi rank and um, seeing this cow's head for those people who don't know what Iskopo is, that's been cooked all morning under the care of, you know, the guys. It's usually men who are cooking them in these big pots. And by midday, all the taxi drivers and anyone else who's interested in a hot meal have gathered around for the scopo together with the, uh, the, the the stock that goes with it and pop. It's a bit rugged, a bit robust, but I just love the, the entire experience of it all. Sometimes nothing beats the taste of home, right? Sometimes it's just that's, that's the oh. one thing that's missing. Uh, Lindy, what's your oh, favorite really? holiday destination? My favorite holiday destination, hmm, again, you've got me. So I've already <laughs> talked about, you know, we'll, we'll always do anything local. I loved Paternoster. So last year on one of our sort of like getaways, Salif, my husband and I went to the West Coast. We had talked about it a lot. And because he's also in the tourism industry, uh, Salif kept telling me we've got to go to the other side, you know, of um, the Western Cape. So off we went to the West Coast. We drove until we got to uh, Paternoster. And it's just, oh, it was just amazing. It, you know, this, it almost looks like a Greek village. Everything is white with blue trim. And, you know, the, the it was cold. It was August. And even that had its own allure to it. We were wrapped up in thick jackets and scarves and the beautiful long walks by the seaside. Um, I was in the process of writing a book and so this was our sort of like five-day getaway to give me time to write a little bit more, but also spend more time with my husband. The food was amazing in terms of, uh, you know, they, they specialize in lobster. Sadly, a lot of it is is exported and not so much stays in South Africa, but we were able to enjoy some of the seafood delights. Uh, beautiful farm breakfasts in one of the local farmhouses, which just boasts the best breads and pastries, all my weaknesses. And so, yeah, I, I think Paternoster for me in recent times is probably my recently favorite place.
That's definitely a place worth checking out. Uh, for those wondering, Paternoster is uh, within reach. It's a short left. It is in the Western Cape, so it is in South Africa. And Lindiwe highly recommends it. Uh, I think we'll leave the conversation there. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking to you, Lindiwe, and getting to know you. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, that was Mrs. Lindiwe Sangwe Nisido, who is the Chief Operating Officer of the City Lodge Hotel Group, joining me for the Executive Lounge this week.